If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. Psalm 101, verse 1. I will sing of your love. New Year's resolutions I wanted to share with you. Um, One person said, my New Year's resolution is to help all my friends gain 10 pounds so I look skinnier. I see some of you share that resolution. Another person said to to resolve to tolerate fools more gladly, provided this does not encourage them to take up more of my time. Um, One said, I resolve not to bore my boss with the same excuse for taking leaves. I will think of some more excuses. I hope that's nobody here. All right. One person said, I was going to quit all my bad habits for the new year, but then I remembered that nobody likes a quitter. Another resolution, I will buy new clothes big enough to account for next year's holidays. One person said, on the first day of this new year, I will consider taking up a new hobby, such as procrastination, or maybe later. Another person had really a really lofty ambition with this resolution. In the coming year, I will stop drinking orange juice after I've just brushed my teeth. Okay, some of you might know what that's like. And someone else said, I will save some money for a rainy day. That way I can shop online instead of having to go to an actual store. Okay. And then there were a few quotes about uh, New Year's. New Year's, someone said, is just a holiday created by calendar companies who don't want you reusing last year's calendar. Someone else said a New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and out the other. Ha, ha, ha. And then someone had a wish for New Year's. They said, may all your troubles last as long as your New Year's resolutions. (laughs) Which is to say, not long, many cases. Resolutions. You know, New Year's resolutions are not something new. You can track them all the way back to the ancient Babylonians about 4,000 years ago. However, it was in March that they began their new year, not in January. They used to celebrate the, t- the new year for 12 long days and called the festival Akitu. They would crown a new king on the occasion of the new year and also make promises to their God to, uh, to clear their debts. That's a good resolution. They believed that if they kept their promises or resolutions, their God would bestow everything good upon them in the coming year. Even the ancient Romans followed the ritual of resolutions. They used to offer sacrifices to their God and make resolutions before him to bless them for good in the coming year. Christians, too, over the years, of course, consider the first day of the new year as a day to correct their past mistakes and resolve to be better persons in the coming year. No matter how modern we get, no matter how much we decry resolutions, New Year's resolutions still exist, and there are tons of people who make them every year. However, a major shift has occurred in the New Year's resolutions of Christians. Instead of making promises to God, people tend to make promises to themselves. Do with that what you will. Well, we joke about resolutions and how 
uh, shortly they last, how, how brief a time they last. But you know, there's nothing wrong with making resolutions. The problem is that often we make unrealistic ones and we fail to plan how to keep them. The four verses I read this morning in Psalm 101 list four resolutions, if you will, made by King David. Some uh, feel he may have composed it for his son Solomon's use at Solomon's coronation as king. But whatever the occasion, David's resolutions are fitting for us to emulate as we begin a brand new year. He introduces each of them in this passage with the phrase, I will. I will. Note that he does not use the word if. He doesn't hedge his bets. He is not concerned with things over which he has no control. David's writing displays a certain determination about how he will live in the days ahead. Uh, so this morning, let's contemplate their meaning for our lives as we look at them now. And I want to say this, we all experience the unexpected. We all have things come our way that are beyond our control. But there are a number of things that are within our control. There are a number of things about which if we are serious enough, if we are determined enough, amen, we can follow through with our stated intentions. And so this morning I want to look at four resolutions that are good for any time. But we can contemplate them now as we begin a brand new year. What is the first one? The first one is a resolution to praise God in all circumstances. You see, because the Bible says about God that he doesn't change. And that's hard for us to wrap our minds around, isn't it? Because everything, everyone we know changes, doesn't stay the same. But I want to tell you, God stays the same. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he's worthy of being praised when circumstances are good because he doesn't change, he's worthy of being praised when circumstances aren't so good. That's almost so logical and scary, isn't it? He's worthy of our praise. Dr. R.A. Torrey was one of the great Bible teachers of an earlier generation. He was the founder of Biola uh, University. He and his wife went through a great time of heartache when their 12-year-old daughter was accidentally killed. The funeral was held on a gloomy, miserable, rainy day. They stood around the grave and watched as the casket holding their little girl was lowered into the ground. As they turned away, his wife said, I'm so glad Elizabeth is with the Lord and not in that box. That's just her shell. But even knowing this to be true, naturally their hearts were broken. Dr. Torrey said the next day as he was walking down the street, the whole thing just flooded anew on him. All the emotions, the loneliness of the years ahead without uh, their daughter, the heartbreak of an empty house and the other implications of her death. And he was so burdened, he just looked up in the sky and asked the Lord for help. And he said this, these are his words. He said, quote, and just then this fountain, 
the Holy Spirit that I had in my heart broke forth with such power as I think I had never experienced before. And it was the most joyful moment I had ever known in my life. Oh, how wonderful is the joy of the Holy Ghost. It is an unspeakable, glorious thing to have your joy not in things around you or about you, not even in your most dearly loved friends, but to have within you a fountain ever springing up, springing up, springing up, always springing up 365 days in every year, springing up under all circumstances unto everlasting life. What kind of joy is it that can spring up from a man who had just lost his 12-year-old daughter? It's the joy of the Lord that we sang about this morning. I will praise him in all circumstances. Doesn't say praise him for the circumstances, but in all circumstances, I will praise him. I'll never forget the morning in October 1994 when my dad passed away in North Carolina. And my mom and I, he had been in the hospital and I had gone down there and uh, we got a call from the hospital that he was in distress and so we hurried. Mom didn't live far from the hospital. We got ready and got to the hospital. We got there a little too late. He had passed away. And as we're in his room with his uh, body after he had passed, I remember my mom just looking up to the heavens and quoting Job, saying, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Church, the world doesn't have that kind of joy. The world doesn't have that kind of ability to praise God no matter what the circumstances, but we have a joy springing up from within. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I think that's a great resolution. God, I'm going to praise you in the tough times. Yeah, I may shed a few tears. I may ask, why did this have to happen to me? And we don't always get answers to that question, do we? But Lord, I'm going to praise you. Chuck Swindoll said, we are quick to sing praises to him when we enjoy good health, financial success, happiness, freedom from pressure, and accomplishing some an enviable achievement, but rarely do we praise him for justice, for the hard times when our tunnel of trouble seems so long. Church, let us resolve in 2024 and beyond to praise him in all circumstances, to say, Lord, I don't understand some things in this life. I don't understand some things you allow in my life, but Lord, I trust you. Lord, I worship you. I give you praise no matter the circumstances because you're eternally worthy. Hallelujah. Resolve to praise in all circumstances. What's another resolution mentioned here? It's a resolution to live a life of integrity. He said in verse 2, I will be careful to lead a blameless life. Somebody said integrity is like the tip of an iceberg. Only a small part can be readily seen. You and I have to ask ourselves, am I the same person in private? Am I the same to the ones who know me best? as I am to people outside who just have a, a surface uh, opinion of my character. Integrity. He said, I will be careful. Notice the words. I will be careful. In other words, I will make it a priority to live a life of integrity. You see, we Christians, we have nothing if we don't have integrity. We have absolutely nothing. If our life doesn't match our profession, we have nothing. Say, Pastor Tim, you're talking about being perfect. I'm not talking about being perfect. 
We know none of us are perfect. Jesus Christ was the only perfect person who walked on this earth. We all sin. We all fall short. But we acknowledge our sin. We ask for forgiveness. And John said when we, when we do that, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. Amen? But we do our best to live a life of wholeness, a life of integrity, to be the same person in private as we are in public. Psalm 41, verse 12 says, In my integrity you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. Proverbs eleven three says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Proverbs 19.1 in the New American Standard Bible, better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than he who is perverse in, a, in speech and is a fool. Uh, one of the executive presbyters of the Assemblies of God, a, a national office, very respected in our movement. And some of you may remember that name. He affiliated with Jim Baker and the PTL Club and was caught up in, in that scandal he actually went to prison for a short time. You know, Jim Baker went to prison. And following that experience, and uh, the Lord really worked in his heart, he, he wrote a book entitled Integrity, How I Lost It and How I Got It Back. And he told us a story at this minister's conference about this man and woman who were traveling, and they stopped at a fast food restaurant. They stopped at the drive-in window, and they placed their order, the order window and drove to the pickup window. They received the bag with, they thought, their food order. They got down the road and they discovered in that bag, they were mistakenly given a bag with all that day's cash receipts of that uh, fast food restaurant, quite a bit of money. And so they turned the car around, went back, asked to see the manager, found the manager. What happened? Get in the bank. The manager was just so overcome. He never, you know, come across someone so so honest with so much integrity. And uh, he said, you know, it was a small town. He said, you know, I just need you to stay here a little while. I have a friend at the newspaper. I want to get him over here and get your picture and have him write an article. This is this is so rare in this day and age. Uh, the, the the gentleman who returned the money said, please, no, don't do that. We we don't need you to do that. He said, no, he said, don't be, don't be so shy. He said, you, de you deserve to be recognized for this display of integrity. And he, he can be over here in a few minutes. It'll be a great story. The guy said, I really wish you wouldn't do that. And he got him over to the side. He said, he, he said, why don't you want me to do that? He said, well, he said, the woman I'm traveling with is not my wife. That's called selective integrity. And we may chuckle or we may raise our eyebrows at that, but we can all be guilty of selective integrity. We hear what someone does, I would never do that. I would never rob a bank. I would never do this. But when times come when we're challenged or we're in a tight spot, our integrity can go out the window. Re resolutions are important. I will resolve to walk in integrity, to be whole, to, to live blamelessly, not perfectly, but blamelessly uh, 
in my entire life. Let's resolve in 2024 to walk in integrity as representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? What's the third resolution here? Is to avoid spiritual distractions. Verse 3 says, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. You know, one of the big problems with uh, our life is distractions. Things that, that, that come into our lives, and you say, Pastor Tim, you're talking about sin. Not necessarily sin. Could be sin. If it's sin, we need to repent and, and turn from it. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But not necessarily sin. It could just be something that distracts us. You ever get distracted? You ever go on the internet to look up something? <laughs> I hear the laughs even before I say it. Then you see something else? You click on that? And then, oh wow, I gotta check that out. Pretty soon you've gone down a rabbit trail and you don't even remember what you started to search for. Come on. We've all, integrity, how many of, no, okay. We've all done that. It's easy to get distracted. Or, now, now only some of you of a certain age can relate to this. You walk into a room to get something. Now, what did I come in here for? Oh, I need to clean that coffee pot or something, you know. We have no idea why we went into that room. See, the younger people are just kind of like looking around like, that'll never happen to me. But I, th I think we've got them outnumbered, so. Distractions. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Are there things, I'm just asking a question. You be the judge for yourself. Are there things in your life not necessarily sin, but the things in your life that can be a distraction for you, that can be time wasters for you. And listen, there's nothing wrong with leisure. There's nothing wrong with recreation. God, we need to recharge our batteries. God gave us the good things of this world to enjoy. Pastor Tim, you're preaching against recreation and enjoyment. No, I'm not. But you know what I'm saying. We have things, whether, whether it's our possessions or or, or other things that we can just, we can just focus on and or are, are, are certain, certain hobbies or things, there's nothing wrong with hobbies, but certain things, they just grab our time, you know? And we find we're not involved in ministry, we miss church half the time, uh, we uh, aren't pursuing relationships and building other people up like uh, we have the opportunity to do. We're, we're just, the important things of life can get squeezed out. How many know we all have in common that we only have 24 hours in a day? Pastor Tim, you're really getting into my business here. Well, blame the word of God, okay? I will put no worthless thing in front of my eyes. I, I won't be distracted. I won't be turned aside. I want 2024 to be a year where God uses me to do great things. Say, so Pastor Tim, I don't think of myself that way. God made you to do great things. God put a calling on your life. God has a plan for your 2024. 
Did you know that? We're so busy making our own plans for the coming year, we forget that God has plans for us in 2024 and beyond. There will always be things that distract you and me. And listen, I, I'm, uh, full disclosure, I'm as capable of being distracted as any of you and fall victim to it. We all need to say, Lord, I want to resolve not to be distracted from what I need to do for you, from pursuing everything that you put into my life. What is there, I respectfully ask this morning, what is there in your life that, if you don't need to cut it out, maybe just cut it back. Maybe give some thought to, could I use some of that time to do something for God instead of doing something for me? Just a thought. What's the fourth and final resolution mentioned here? It's to remain separate from evil influences. I heard um, I, my, my daughter Stephanie uh, played, for she's not feeling well today, or she, she would have been here, but she's been home with us, and she played a video for us of a, an English theologian named Calvin Robinson, and there was a whole context to a speech he gave, but one of the things he said was, you know, in... Uh, in preaching tolerance for the, the lifestyles, sinful lifestyles that are, um, you know, espoused in our culture, one of the things we hear say well, is, well, Jesus was loved. Jesus loved everyone who came to him. He didn't condemn people. And one of the things uh, this theologian Calvin Robinson said, he's very, very eloquent, godly. He said, yes, Jesus loved people. He loved prostitutes and sinners. And he spent time with people who had done terrible things, but they didn't change him. When they came into contact with him, he changed them. He was the influencer. He said to the woman caught in adultery, your accusers are gone, neither do I condemn you. But then he said, go and sin no more. And just like we tell our teens, you and I need to evaluate the influences in our life. Other people, are they influencing us or are we influencing them? Pastor Tim, are you saying I should have nothing to do with unsaved people? Of course not. How can we win them if we don't uh, relate to them? But we need to do the influencing. We need to be stalwart. We need to be uh, people who uh, refuse to, to, to compromise our principles. And it's so easy to do. We've all done it. Let no one else influence your walk in a negative way away from God. We need to be the influencers. In St. Louis, there's a railroad switchyard, and one particular switch begins with just the thinnest piece of steel to direct a train away from the main track to another track. One ends in San Francisco, and the other one ends in New York. Well, in the continental United States, that's about as far apart as you can go. But what starts a train on one path toward one or the other? Little thin piece of metal that divides, that separates diverging train tracks. Sometimes it's the littlest, smallest decision that we make to go in this direction when God would have us to go in this direction. And you see, 
once we start making compromises and we compromise it, it's easier to make that second compromise. And pretty soon we've gone off the track in the other direction. Resolution to be separate from evil influences. We can't escape evil in the world, evil's around us. We're called to win the lost. But Lord, help us to be a shining light. We were, we were so excited to have our grandchildren here this week and uh, little Levi's two years old. And of course, we had to watch all his videos and we watched them about a thousand times, right? And one of them was a song that we all, you know, if you grew up in church, we all sang uh, in Sunday school, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Church, we need to let our light shine. We need to stand up for truth and morality and be unashamed and not be influenced toward evil, but be the influencers in life. In conclusion, this morning, the great gospel singer and songwriter Gloria Gaither told a story how that years ago when her daughter was little, she had drawn a picture for her mom and it didn't turn out the way she wanted to. And she tried to fix it and she got one of those erasers, you know, started erasing the picture she drew and what happened was she tore a big hole in the paper as happens and she was so upset. Gloria Gaither said she went and got a fresh, clean piece of paper, gave it to her daughter, said, here, draw me another picture. You can start over. Here's a clean piece of paper. Church, I don't know what your 2023 was like, whether it was a good year, bad year, probably a, lot, a good bit of both, right? as far as circumstances. I don't know how you lived your life. I don't know if, as you look back on 2023, if there are things you would do differently, mistakes you've made. We all make them. But I want you to know this. 2024, right now in about 12 and a half, less than 12 and a half hours, 2024 is a clean sheet of paper. Fresh start. Hallelujah. And one of the things I love most about our God is he doesn't hold our past against us. I referenced earlier, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just. Sometimes it's not just sins. Sometimes it's just missteps, you know, the, the things we mentioned. So brand new piece of paper coming up. Brand new slate. We'll make mistakes. We'll fall short. But boy, we can, we can take a giant leap forward this year. Do you believe that? I don't believe we have to be consigned to making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. That's not God's desire for us. And to say, well, I'm human, humans make mistakes, I'm not perfect, that's true as far as it goes, but it's a giant cop-out. I don't need to make the same mistakes I've made before. I need to grow, learn from them and grow from them.